welcome. This is Beyond the Illusion. All right, I hope y'all are ready because in this episode, we talk about crystal grids, pyramids, nanocoding, and alternate quantum realities with the one and only Bato, B-A-T-O. He's kind of like Cher or Madonna because he's one of those people who is known by one name. When you say Bato around here, people immediately know who you're talking about. As you'll hear in this conversation, Bato is a very interesting person and has a ton of knowledge to share. He's been on a path of spiritual seeking for many years. And what I really admire about Bato is that he's chosen his own path and does things in his own unique way. Now, let's go to the conversation with Tiana, Bato, and myself. it's pretty interesting like you've had a you've had an interesting life and you know from Luis you know, the guy that comes on to talk about the law of one you, you know Luis and yes. uh, he said to me that you are one of these people that has been doing and you're like Tiana in that way that you've mm. been doing a lot of inner work on yourself yeah for for years I suppose mm. can you kind of tell us about that and and your background like where you're from and Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm Eastern European. I was born in uh, Croatia, grew up in Serbia. And uh, as you can imagine, life's very different there. Uh, but that's not where my, my journey started. My journey started after I moved here. And um, I have been researching spiritual subjects for probably 12 years now. But first four or five years were more in terms of just understanding that our mind has a certain power that we can attract certain things into our life. And then about seven or eight years ago, it started going into deep mystical <laughs> things. Mm-hmm. And since then also feels like I've been on a very accelerated journey. And, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, so, so that's a quick, you know, brief introduction into it. So with all this spiritual learning that you've been doing, mm. what are the kind of things that led you to start a practice that where you wanted to help someone with that it it started organically naturally um, just by discovering more about the self just like on every journey there were different um, segments of it and in each time I entered a new understanding of self something new would emerge that normally I I wasn't previously into or I didn't have any learned knowledge about and a lot of times it would be very intuitive, like your body would just know what to do. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, one time I'm driving on a highway and I get this very clear message that I need to do a crystal grid class. And I've always felt drawn to crystals and I've always liked the idea of working with crystals, but I, I did not know how to pull something like that off. I really didn't understand how that could be taught. And but this is this is one of the examples that something comes through you that you have some knowledge of, but you don't quite know where it comes from. And then eventually I learned that it comes from the body itself. It comes from the memory that's in the body. So there are some things that we have done in the past, whether it was a past life or or some other form of existence. But um, something in you remembers these things and you're just drawn to it um, until you start kind of discovering more and finding out that, oh, I actually, I actually like this or I know how to do it. 
So that's usually how I would come to these things. And um, it expanded from crystals to working with uh, geometry. I worked a lot with uh, pyramid shapes and I would make them mostly out of um, copper or zinc or some kind of precious metals. And then eventually I realized that those can be utilized to create fields of energy um, that are beneficial for clearing spaces or maybe working with individuals and also clearing the land. So, so I would start employing those tools and creating energy um, fields to enhance. Yeah. How big are these geometric shapes? Well, they can be building? any size. I mean, um, one that I primarily used was uh, five by five feet. So it's enough for a whole person to sit in it and meditate. Or I actually had people mostly in a laying position where they would just lay inside of the pyramid and feel the energy of it. And interesting thing that would happen to almost everybody is people would journey, you know, almost as if they were on some kind of a shamanic journey or some kind of mystical experience. So there is something in the energy of the pyramid that can open up a space for that. Tim has space in his backyard that's not utilized. <laughs> I've always thought about doing that. Let's like, build something. <laughs> I know. Wouldn't that be cool if we did that before each podcast episode? We yeah. sat in there. Yeah, it would be cool to go in there and see if people have experiences like that and they can describe nice. it. Yeah. Well, have let's you... look into it. Uh-huh. <laughs> For sure. What about um, you know, smaller? Could it still be useful in different sizes? I have a friend that actually had like this pyramid thing that he puts on his head yeah. when he meditates. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that, that can be useful. Um, I, you know, the best way to gauge is just to really sense, feel into it. Um, there are so many properties to a pyramid. If you, you know, put a dull razor inside of a pyramid overnight, it will sharpen. That's that's how tangible effects can be. Uh, put a glass of water, it will enhance the water or the food that you eat or something like that. Important thing to know about the pyramids is it's all about geometry and the angles. So you want a certain angle in the pyramid. And I also discovered that it's it's actually the walls of the pyramid that make the resonance. It's not the frame itself. A lot of the pyramids that you can buy today for meditation, and this is what I've been using also, it's just really the frame of the pyramid. It doesn't have the solid walls. So the walls themselves are really the biggest resonant factor. So you want a solid actual pyramid. It's better to have walls on the pyramid. Right. Than, oh, right. It okay. will have better effect. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I. It's funny, yeah, you're bringing up the razor being sharpened and, and the food inside the yeah. pyramids because I read a book. It's Pyramid Power. I've read that book, mm. and this guy did those experiments. He actually went and built pyramids and put yes. razors in there, and uh, it works. It totally works. He, everything he tried, it worked. Yeah. He had this part in the book that's so funny because he had a cat, and the cat went into one of his pyramids and mm. like would sleep, and he found the cat like all the time in there just taking a nap yes and then after a while the cat stopped eating his food and the guy's like oh no what's wrong with the cat so eventually they figured out that the cat wanted to eat vegetables and fruits <laughs> <laughs> and that he claims that the cat turned into a serious vegan after that yeah <laughs> I, but with really sharp claws wow i'm not <laughs> surprised yeah so it was really funny yeah it's interesting you mentioned that because I've, I've done a few sessions with people um in the pyramid and usually their pets would jump on to the table or mm-hmm. into the pyramid and they wouldn't want to leave so i've seen that myself wow you have know. you had experiences like that in your pyramids yeah that's uh initially why i started assembling those because i wanted to just meditate in them and sometimes sleep in them and see what would happen i discovered that where where the energy of it actually comes from is there's a whole dimension of existence that's based on geometry itself 
And so something about geometric forms in our physical reality can attract those energies um, and just enhance everything that we do here. I'm not sure if uh, every geometry would have the same, but ones that I was drawn to were pyramids mostly. And that worked pretty well. Yeah. There's definitely something to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been a lot of research done on the pyramids in Giza. And uh, one of the things that this guy who wrote that book, he wrote Mm -hmm. it a long time ago when there was more access to the pyramids themselves. And he Mm -hmm. was able to go inside the Great Pyramid. And the reason he found wanted to do more experiments was because he would find these um, little animals inside Mm -hmm. that had died. Like they'd gotten into the pyramid and they couldn't find their way out and they died. But they weren't rotting. They were just like mummified. Mm -hmm. They just they didn't ever turn into like a smelly, stinky, dead critter like you would think they would. And then there was a place in there where they had gathered them all up and put them in a trash can. There was like yeah. all these mummified rats and mice and stuff. Yeah. And he's like, what in the world is this? He's like, you know, really got his mind thinking. And that's why he started doing those experiments. Yeah, um, makes sense. So tell me more about the crystal grid because mm. that's that was part of your, you had like a somewhat of a healing practice going on, right? And you would use the pyramids and yeah. the crystal grids. I, so. I use combination of both. So I would, well, it changed over time. Let's say the last phase of it was I would, you know, have people come in. Um, I would actually lay them on a table, massage table, and I would start doing some energy work. In fact, I would suggest to people what to do so that they can feel energy moving through their own body because I thought that it was more empowering to just show people how to move energy themselves. But they would be laying on top of a set of crystals and those crystals were tuned to the chakra system. So there were seven large crystals and they have uh, or they had these uh, tiny drops of crystal everywhere spread out like hundreds of tiny crystals around them um, because I found that it just amplifies the field much more. There is something about when you build grids uh, the smaller you go in terms of crystal, from big to small, the the more the influence of the field or the more the impact. And so I would always build crystals with multiple size of stones and I would also go into very, very tiny crystals in the end and kind of spread it far and wide. That seemed to really hold the field stable. And so I would do work with the person as they come in, just starting with some energy work and then... Uh, Afterwards, I had a pyramid that was built. It's like a hanging pyramid in a corner, and people would sit underneath it. And part of the work, it's very important for the spine to be straight, so you can't be in a, in a laying position to work with certain aspects of, of our energetic self. So I would have people be in a sitting position, and then we would work mostly with the spine and the central energy channel in the body. We would process some energy that way, and then in the final stage, they would go into the big pyramid where they would actually lay down and I also um, used to do this process with the copper that's called nanocoating. Nanocoating is basically a chemical reaction on the copper that somehow creates an opening into what's called zero-point field. It's like the infinite energy source. And so it draws the energy from the zero-point field directly into our reality. And so if you put a regular pyramid next to a copper pyramid that's nanocoated, the difference is tremendous in terms of energy. And I had sessions where I would bring that pyramid into a certain space for the first time, assemble it there, do a couple of sessions, and then remove it. And a week later, somebody would walk in and they can immediately feel pyramids still there. So the power and the energy of it stayed for a long time afterwards. Um, so that, that was, in short, the process. People would go through um, a sort of energy work. And I could never really tell what 
what would happen to the person unless I'm directly told. So it's not something that, you know, you would come to me for a specific issue. It was more in terms of aligning different subtle bodies. It, it had to do with the evolution of the greater self um, and just using the physical self as a catalyst. And so that was that was mainly the work um, that I was doing with, with pyramids. So how did you come about this whole process? Did you channel this information or how, do you, how did you know to do that? In essence, yes. I mean, we we all do that to some extent. It's just a matter of, you know, how aware you are that it's actually happening. So it took quite a few years to put this together. You know, in the beginning, I got interested in pyramids. In fact, my first um, interest in pyramids started with something that was definitely channeled because I, I drew a scheme for something that I didn't have any conscious um, knowledge about. So, you know, I drew this construction that I didn't have any skills to draw something like that or any knowing how to put such thing together. So I realized it was it was coming from some deeper part of me. So that started me on on work with the pyramids. And then, you know, little by little, I started thinking, okay, how can I enhance this work further? And then I realized, yeah, I can I can use crystals to amplify energies. And um, so little by little, it developed over the years. I think the best way to talk about how actually everything happens in a session is is it's just like a creating a space where a person can come and maybe have greater opportunity to tap into the totality of themselves, like uh, into those subtle non-physical layers than in some other space, like, you know, like your living room. <laughs> so it was a little bit more enhanced space because of the nature of geometry and all the crystals and the work that has been done there. And so that gave person an opportunity to just channel those non-physical energies that already belong to them, but in a less uh, resistant way where they're more conducive to it. And one of the effects that people experienced immediately as soon as they walk into space is, is this deep, deep relaxation. So you can tell that something was really going on. But to finish answering your question, um, yeah, it took some years and it definitely came from, from somewhere within. And it was really a process of exploration self-exploration and then whatever I discovered I would bring it forward into my work and it would take a little while to you know do a few sessions with people and to really feel how things are happening and it's a really rewarding work because you're not just providing service you're really learning a whole lot because your sensitivity level increases um, you learn about subtle energy you you really learn how to elevate yourself working on others as well so it was a very rich part of my life do you have any suggestions for people who don't have access to a life-size copper pyramid? Yeah. <laughs> How they can um, maybe utilize this understanding of geometry to um, enhance their own energetic sure. one, vibration? Sure. One really easy way to do it is to just visualize it. Um, visualize it and, you know, just having an understanding that when we visually see something, it's not, you know, just a thought or an image, it's an actual reality somewhere else. Like our human mind has such a power that it actually creates a geometry around you in another dimension. And so you can use that knowing to create powerful imagery around yourself and just see how it feels to you. And a lot of people actually use that in guided meditations. And so that's a really easy way where you don't have to really assemble anything. But I have actually found quite a few people these days making pyramid and making them pretty, you know, affordable and accessible. So you can you can get a set pretty easily. Yeah. So I want to ask more about um, the channeling stuff, because I know that mm -hmm. you get information from different beings and, yeah. and you've read and you've 
you know, invest a lot of time and energy into investigating these kind of beings and yeah. stuff. I know you have a lot of books on it. Mm. Um, can you tell us before we, I want to hear about that because sure. <laughs> you've already touched on something that I want to go into in a minute here. Yes. And it's that, you know, you mentioned that a lot of people are building pyramids and I mm. think that's part of this awakening that's happening. You know, a lot more people are becoming aware of, um, all these different realities mm. that exist outside of our physical world. Mm. And not only that, but I feel like people are moving more in a direction towards um, understanding themselves from uh, multiple levels, including spiritual. Yes. And uh, I do want to talk about that, but I also want to hear about more about, you know, these, these channelings that you do. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, channeling is such a vast term and, different people talk about it in a different context. Uh, for me, it was always about connecting to self. And after a while, I discovered that self exists on so many different levels. And that this physical expression is a tiny, tiny fraction of what we really are. And so little by little, when you open up pathways to these other aspects of self, naturally information will come through, inspiration will come through, energy, whatever, whatever you need for your development, you'll be assisted. And so I think of it as, you know, being a part of a, of a larger body. And if your little toe needs to evolve, you'll do your utmost to provide everything you can for it to do that. And so, um, so that's how I feel. I'm just a part of a, a larger self that, you know, these other parts want to come and assist with. And so um, that's, that's kind of like a simplistic description of it. But I can I can go a little more technical if you want in terms of how to approach this practically. Yeah, sure. So um, understanding of of the energetics of our body is really important, and some of it has already been you know depicted in so many ways and shared, such as the chakra system. So chakra system plays a huge role in it, and developing some kind of a practice where you will consciously intend opening of those pathways and I found that the biggest block or the biggest uh, obstacle to human conscious evolution is that our energy system in general is very clogged we don't really let our energies run freely so getting into a deeply relaxed state and visualizing intending for different centers to open and you know everybody has some kind of understanding of what the chakra system is today so just using that and and then intending for it to open and if you're focused enough and you're if you're relaxed enough you will actually be able to feel even physiological sensations as each energy center starts running even to a point where after a while practicing this you can take every thought that you have and you can feel how it affects each one of the chakras you can tell if it opens up the floor if it constricts it usually those things that are you know opinions judgment judgments they will put a little bit of constriction to the energy flow and things that are thinking in more in terms of unconditional are, are the ones that will open up the flow so that's one aspect of our system that you can work with um, in, in a pretty easy way um, probably even more important than that is there is a part of us that actually holds chakras in place and that part of you is the electromagnetic field that we carry around our bodies. And most important aspect of that field is the central channel that runs right along our spine. So about an inch or two in front of the spine, there is a hollow tube or a, or a space of energy that um, we can call a, a mental 
self or maybe etheric self. There's so many different classifications of subtle bodies, but it's definitely there, and it's it's the part of our system that actually align all, all the chakras um, and holds them in place. And so this is the part of us that you we can utilize for probably fastest spiritual evolution because the energies that run in this central channel, in the spinal column, are the most potent ones, and the whole spiritual evolution happens from the root chakra where most of our dormant energy is coiled and it rises up the system to the crown chakra and this is the tube or the the space in which it travels so the whole spiritual evolution is based on raising those energies up the spine and there's many um, traditions in many systems of you know knowledge and exercise to do these things properly and to um, evolve oneself so I have found this to be the most efficient way to work with the central channel. And what, one method that I would mention that's pretty well known um, is called Kriya Yoga. So that's that's a very, very useful um, method to practice. I have not tried that. Okay. Oh, I need to, though. So what's different about Kriya Yoga than just you know the yoga that you would go to? on 6th street or something yeah i think that um in in the western world um yoga is taken into a you know a physical domain and then which is really one aspect of yoga very useful too you know and then the whole industry was developed about it in a tradition of yoga that's just the first basic step just to get your body comfortable for for sitting in meditation so these other things you know like like a breath control and the breath work and then the mind meditation are way more powerful. And so all of these aspects are needed to kind of get the whole system because you can get out of balance trying to practice one and not the other because physical body is just as important as our mind. So I think all have their role. Um, the reason why Kriya is so powerful is because it's it's really a lightning path when it when you talk about evolution. Because the way that soul comes into the body is through this central channel. It comes through the top of your head into the brain and spinal centers, and then inhabits your nervous system. And so your your very soul force is running through the nervous system out into the world. And the whole practice of yoga is to take that flow and to reverse it back in where it came from, which is the spine itself. So you're learning little by little not to project your energy out into the world, but to actually withhold it in the body and even to reverse it and go inside of the body from the surface of the skin to the tissues to the very bones and the bone marrow. And you get into the nervous system and where you can actually feel the pulse of your own life force. So by reversing your focus from the external inward, you are actually going back to where we came from when we first originally came to the body. So there there are some people that you know, become experts in this, and uh, they live very live very interesting lives because they're able at will to just retrieve back to where we originally come from, have an experience of that, and then still come and function in this world. You read Autobiography of a Yogi, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. that's Kriya Yoga, that Yogananda <clears throat> yeah, practice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And you hear about those different, like, miracles that he yeah. would experience yeah. from, yeah, that's mm-hmm. common there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I shouldn't say it's common, but I mean, more than here. <laughs> that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess this is like something I can read about and learn how to do, or mm-hmm. is this... Mm-hmm. Uh, Through the Self-Realization Fellowship, okay. that's one of the, you know, there's many different ones, but yeah. um, that's the organization that formed from Yogananda's work. And so back when I first read that book and I was living in Boston, 
they did these like correspondence course thing where they would send you these lessons. And then if you practice them for, I think it was like two years, you could receive the Kriya initiation. But there are others that do that as well. You get initiated into this Kriya yoga and have their own specific practices that they do. Yeah. In the, the book itself, it's a fantastic book, but to maybe to an everyday person, it would, it would seem like a, like a fairy tale. <laughs> For me, what was amazing reading it is I just resonated so much with what was in it. I, I, yeah, I, I just too. knew that this is the truth of everything. And so I was drawn to it. That's incredibly. what I love about energy. Because, yeah, so I remember um, because at that time I, I managed a cafe in the bookstore and on my lunch break, I would walk, walk around and look at the books. And I picked that book up and this energy just zipped through my nice. arm and I was like, okay, I'm getting this book. And then when I was reading the book, I kept thinking, my mind was thinking, this is crazy. But like you said, there's a part of me that just felt or knew the truth of it. And that's what mm. I love about the more that you work with energy and tune into your own vibration, you just sense and feel and know what resonates or what's true for you and you can follow that that's beautiful i actually there are some people today there are some yogis today that come from india and then travel the states and they they actually come from the lineage of yogananda mm-hmm. um, they've been taught by you know the same master that yogananda was studying with and uh, they offer teaching of kriya and initiations as well so there's many many sources and many um i just feel that we have so much available now mm-hmm. that the only thing you need is just the willingness to look for it Yeah, that's what I was thinking before when you were talking about channeling was, I think for me, what I felt was sincere. If you have a a deep desire Mm. to want to awaken spiritually or to know your greater self Mm. and it's sincere, you draw and attract um, spiritual beings who will help you in that process. Mm. So, you know, it's not like, oh, no, I didn't know about Kriya Yoga, so I'm screwed (laughs) because nobody told me about that. You will naturally, kind of like you were talking, how it just starts to organically, you feel pulled and and somebody mentions this and then that makes you think of that and it's step by step. So to me, when I think, I just think the most important thing is just to have this deep, sincere desire in your heart to awaken and and it will yeah. happen for you one way or the other. I think you hit a really important point because the what I found so far in, in my entire seeking journey is that that sincerity of, of the desire is the most important thing mm-hmm. because if you have any kind of you know selfish motive or anything anything that comes into the play it will it really corrupts your entire journey and how the energy of it unfolds. So if there is this uh, real burning to kind of know oneself or to develop spiritually, it will it will definitely happen. So that that to me would be the number one thing to be clear with, you know, with yourself to know if you are on the right path. Because we live in this very left brain world. And so we're constantly like, oh, what's the one right technique? I have to figure it out. And so we get really caught in that trap of mm. like, oh, gosh, do I have the right information? If not, then I'm lost. But this sincerity is Mm. coming more from the heart. And yeah, so anyway, that's been my experience. Even with Kriya, I found that um, it's a phenomenal technique to me. You know, nothing so far worked as as fast and as well as Kriya, but I found that I did need other components along with it to keep me going on a journey because it can be a very singular path if you do that just one thing. And so, um, yeah, it's really a combination of things. Yeah, I feel like, you know, when you guys were saying that there's so much information available, you know, about Kriya Yoga or anything really you want now, I feel like we live in such a amazing time where mm. 
really you do have everything at your fingertips that you want to know about, you know, mm-hmm. and then I think that's part of the reason why people are starting to turn and look inward now mm-hmm. because everything they want is out there, but what about in here? You know, the only way to find that is, you know, to really seek. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, no, everything they want is in here. It's always, you know, so because you could look at it another way and say that in this information age, it's very confusing for people because there's so many different people saying different things. And that's why even more to me, it's important to tune into within yourself and then you can sense and like i said this yogananda book and the stories that he said seem so outlandish but you can just feel the truth in them Mm -hmm. and so it's more important than ever to feel inside yourself and use that as sort of a compass for sifting through for discerning what's true for you in this moment which can of course evolve over time yeah i definitely agree with that an interesting thing though is you know there's so many sources that will tell you all you need is within and you know when you meditate you should go within but nobody really tells you how to do that you know like what exactly is the process of of going within and i think this can be a source that can really shed some light on that Uh, because truly there is such thing as going inside of your own self or inside of your own body where eventually you can discover that this body is really just a micro of the of the macro and the whole universe itself resides inside of your very cells so you can use a body to a gateway to almost anything in creation especially the different juncture points of the energy lines that create the vortices or the chakras each and every one of them can be used as a, as a gateway to something more yeah it reminded me of you know, something that Luis said, and it was that, and I read this too in the Law of One, that mm. I don't think it was in the Law of One, actually. I think it was in Quo. It was a channeled material, though. Mm. And they said that um, right now, well, in our past, in our long history, long ago on this earth, um, the energies to do this spiritual seeking were harder to come by, and you mm. needed these structures like pyramids and yes. things like that. And so they would use them for initiations, but they said now as, as we've progressed and they said that the energies that were available in the pyramids back then are now available all over the planet to everyone. And I think that's also part of why we're noticing what's happening with everybody. And there's, everyone's talking about this big shift that's occurring. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to get, you know, your thoughts on that, too. You're absolutely right. I think we really take for granted that the time that we live in, and there's so many things that distract us on our path, and we really value things that are everyday or mundane over over something that can spiritually, you know, help you grow. And if you could just zoom back a little bit and, and look from a perspective of your soul or your essence or your being, and then look onto the physical self you would perceive uh, a physical incarnation as tremendous, tremendous opportunity. There's really no place in creation like coming here and being physical. It's it's such an advanced stage for a soul to experience. And if if we had just a general understanding of, of how that works, I think people would be much more into, you know, inner work and spiritual work, which I really believe is where we're heading anyhow, just because the energy on the planet now is very conducive to that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a tremendous opportunity and one should, you know, take advantage of it. Yeah, the vibration, I mean, in my experience, I feel it's even, it's very different now from, say, 10 years ago mm. and very different from 
20 years ago, even comparing like you're talking 4,000 years ago with the pyramids, mm-hmm. but even in our lifetime, just like how technology has changed tremendously in our lifespan, so has the energetic frequency shifted a lot in my, that's my experience. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So, you know, in my perception, that all has to do with the field of the earth and what's happening to the earth itself. And so there are two major things that and that I experience. First one is, it seems like the earth's magnetism itself is decreasing. And there has even been some scientific research saying that it has been going on for quite a while now, and it's slowly decreasing. And on a physical level, you don't really feel these changes because they're way too subtle. They're small incremental changes. And so it's not like now you're going to become lighter or, you know, we're going to lose some weight without doing anything about it. It's more that your thoughts and your emotions are getting affected because the thoughts and emotions have a very little mass, very little weight. And so we are getting into an age now where the whole astral realm, the realm of our thoughts and emotions is, is becoming less and less. It's dissipating. And there are two effects directly on humans from this change. First one is that if you are not used to less thoughts, and an average human has around 50,000 thoughts a day, if you're not used to less thinking, you will go into one of two extremes, uh, one being depression, the other one being hyperactivity or, or anxiety. And so it's really good to know what's causing this so that we can adjust and we can do something to kind of accommodate to the shift. So that's, that's one effect is just the weakening of the magnetic field. But the other one, which is the increase in the actual resonance of the earth or, or the Schumann frequency, that's what makes the time speed up. So all these changes are coming at us at such a tremendous speed. And, you know, scientific community says that we are now experiencing 10 times or, or 100 times more information that we would in the past. We're having ability to process so many experiences so much quicker. And if you really think about it, like we talked about before the interview, a year these days feels like, you know, a lifetime. You can't even remember what was two years ago. <laughs> time, time seems to be moving so fast. Yeah, I was yeah, I was talking to you about that before we started the recording and mm. it does really seem like that. I was even thinking back you mentioned the year 2000 and when I think back to that time it does seem like a, <laughs> another <gone. laughs> lifetime ago, but it also seems like when I was living during that time less was happening mm. in my life. Mm. Like and I don't know if that's attributed to just more of a hectic lifestyle now, but I really do think that there was less to process mm. and there were less things happening. I think it, with everything was moving a little slower back then. Yeah, it is sort of a quickening. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting that you're saying that there's this this um, tangible physical effect that's happening mm. on the earth. And when I'm visualizing that, that makes so much sense because mm. it's like there's this astral realm like above us, right? Mm. And it's being physically held here by... Yeah by the magnetic force of the earth and yeah. if that lightens up a little bit well then that also lightens up a little bit so mm. that's a really interesting way to look at it i never really thought about that before so how does this how did you come about this information is this some some of it you know through through learning and studying like everybody else um lately actually a lot of it just from from my own experiences and there comes a point where you really realize that uh, any kind of external absorption of information as much as it's beneficial, it can also really cloud your perception because it can form a belief or a perspective and it can, you know, prevent from what would normally come from within you. 
And so I'm experiencing an interesting stage now where a lot of information comes directly from from the inner knowing or or other aspects of self. And it's just as valid as anything else, except that it feels much more like home. It feels like where you really want to draw from. Does that mean that you tend to isolate yourself from the outer world or just that um, you are in the world, but Mm. it's not being absorbed and affecting you? It's definitely... uh, easier to reach that if you if you are a little bit isolated uh, but i i really, in your cave and meditate right. like the background but i really think that those lifetimes are behind us yeah. so we live such a modern you know life now that i think our part of our mastery or in our lesson this, this time around is to integrate that into everyday living so I, I think the balance of both is to to have a practice where you sit with yourself or you know, it doesn't even have to be as, as rigid as a practice. It can simply be as taking time to sit and listen. Just sit in nature and empty your head and just really listen inwardly. And when you spend some time doing that, you will have much better understanding on, on a different level than just like logical thinking the way you're used to. And it will start to lead you through life. And then you, with that, you step into the world and then you need what need, do what needs to be done. So I think that's probably close to a balance of, of how to integrate both. Yeah, because when I think when I see someone like you or even Tiana, I I wonder to myself like, what what made this person want to live the life that they have? You know, it seems so honorable and so amazing to me because I I live a very traditional life in comparison to you both, and um, it just it's so out of the norm. And you, if you li- if you lived in my shoes, you, you would see the world that I live in, and it's filled with people like me mm-hmm. who just see the world as it is and through our eyes and you know to see it in the way that you see it is just so vastly different it's it's hard to explain but no i think i'm sure you had the same experience like um i did live in that world (laughs) and i had the corporate job and i but for me it got so uncomfortable because Mm. it wasn't aligned with who i am that i couldn't remain in that and i so you ask like what made you choose that like Oh, there wasn't really any other choice. Right. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't stay all these years in that framework. It's like wearing a really uncomfortable yeah. outfit every single day that's too small or doesn't fit right. Well, first, I want to say I really admire the way you live because <laughs> you know, coming into your house just seeing the way you live, I like that. It's it's. I think you're already doing everything you you need to be doing, and it's it's great that you're doing the, these podcasts just to to begin with. What an opportunity for people to receive information. But another thing that I that I wanted to mention is that this physical experience is such a minute part of who we are. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just as valid as anything else. However, I think we live in a time now where we need to recognize that there's so much more to us. And the richness that comes from opening up to what I call in short totality of self, because I really don't know how to label that, you know, this multifaceted self that we have when you start connecting to that it only enhances your life it's not like you withdraw from it and you you know go somewhere into a cave to meditate you really step out out there with a whole different energy whole different understanding um, with much more emotional stability with much more just harmony in your field and you're able to bring so much more to the people around you so I, I think it's just a recognition that you know I'm living this life here that's on the forefront of my um, awareness, my existence, but there's so much more 
behind that that I want to discover and then start little um, little by little incorporating that into the experience of life. Yeah, that's a good point. That's that's an excellent way to look at it. But you have been shifting a lot just since this podcast, don't you think? Like we had oh, had yeah. that conversation before about how you don't have to change anything in the outer world, but as you have been changing inwardly, it's affected the way that you experience your life. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, my my life has changed a lot recently, mm-hmm. you know, because I have done that inner work, you know, and I'm always doing that now. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I do carry all of that with me now. And I do see the world through different eyes, but, um, there's a lot happening there, but the way that I choose to intellectualize it is through what I learned in the law of one is mm-hmm. that we're, we're going from third density into fourth density. And mm-hmm. I think about that a lot. I think about it in those terms a lot, but I'm mm-hmm. sure that's a very simplified way of, of seeing what's happening. You know, mm. there's just because there's so much to us as beings mm. that cannot be verbalized, mm. really. Our bodies and our thoughts and everything are just one small piece of our whole conscious entity. Mm. And so when I think about going from third density to fourth density, I think about my body and I think about what's going to happen with the planet and but what about this other part of us? Like, really, what is happening? Yeah, there's a couple of things that I hear pretty frequently. Um, you know, one of them is what you just said, going to the fourth density, or people sometimes use terminology, going to the fifth dimension. Uh, but then other thing is the, the planetary shift, and people talk about, you know, there'll come a time soon where where everything will go into the next octave of the experience. And I agree with both of those things, but I also think that there's so much more to the story. And and first thing I, I like to expand into is that I really believe that within these bodies we have a potential to go far past the fourth density or, or fifth dimension or any one dimension. There are aspects of self that already have transcended that and we are trying to bring them into the body. If you think of yourself as, as physical and then you have this other aspect of self which is mental, emotional, we can call that a soul body. It's it's a very multifaceted Uh, part of the being so the physical and then you have the soul and then you have such thing as a spirit self right which is pretty commonly talked about but when you bring that into the body and you when you feel that that's a part of self that really transcends all the dimensional experiences it's the one that takes you back to the essential unity of all creation so i think that we can use what already is in us to go far past any one dimension into into an experience of life that's much more expanded and just an example of the book um, that you know we discussed just a little bit ago those people mentioned there they have attained far past fifth density and I think that we all have ability to do that so the fifth um, fifth dimension or the fourth density might be something where the general tendency of of the human population as a whole might be going towards but individually, we have opportunity to move far past that. And many of us have already have done that. I mean, I can't really say, you know, I did it or somebody else did. You don't know these things, you know, unless you have a full-blown everyday experience of it. But I really feel that. And through some of the experiences that I have, I think that we have capability to go there. So it's important to hold that even at the background of your mind as a possibility because it will keep drawing to itself and you will be able to kind of move a little further um, so that's one aspect of it. But then the second thing is that 
I just feel that there's a general tendency to almost like wait for the shift, you know, because it's something that's happening globally and then it's just around the corner. So we're just kind of expecting it every day. I really feel that the shift, you are actually making the shift happen in your own body. And by taking action towards it and having an intention towards it, you can start experiencing it on a daily basis. And, you know, for, for me at this stage, I I have a lot of days where I totally lose track of time and, and I'll be able to experience some things that are beyond the, the physical perception, almost lose yourself in it. That's how amazing, how fascinating it can be. And then you come back here and you realize the shift is happening now. It's not something that's coming in the future. People that have just a little bit of sensitivity, they can already start tapping into these things and bringing those other parts of self through and having a joined experience. So I think those two are very important points that um, as we go forward, it's really good not to put limitation on it, but also to realize that every waking moment counts because this is really the the time where the opportunity is tremendous for that growth. Yeah, I, I love that you said that because I do feel like it is kind of this waiting process, but mm. it's more of an active involvement Mm -hmm. that we need to have i mean we literally are the ones here making it happen Mm -hmm. like there's no one else here it's us we're making this happen and so i think it is our our free will our choice Mm -hmm. to uh to make this shift happen and and we all are on some level deciding like yes this is the time let's start and um that's the general impression i get yeah one more quick note you know on that is that I see a tendency for people to have a genuine desire to help others. And I think it's a really phenomenal thing to do. Um, you know, it's very altruistic and it's it definitely comes from a good intention. But a lot of times when we go out there and we engage in activities like that, we also get swept away from our own path. So I think that at the very core of our journey, we really need to put the knowing of the self and the self-realization as a, as a priority because everything that we even have to offer comes from the self. So it would make all sense to really dive deep within and bring more and more of yourself to the surface to then be able to go out and serve. So I think that a lot of us get caught up in activities as because it really gives us this sense that we are contributing, but we are sacrificing enormous amount of inner spiritual growth by doing that. And so in my life, there came, there was a point recently where that completely shifted, and I realized that this is really the gold mine. It's it's the realization of the self, and then bringing all the all the things that you learn from that forward. And really, when I look back, that's how everything came. Even with the pyramids and the crystals, it really came from discovery of self. And so for me, that that really became the priority um, at this time. Yeah, I read somewhere the description of the in breath and the out breath, and mm. I really like that because I I see that flow there have been times when I'm really kind of going within and and taking from within and then it sort of fills up to a point where it kind of flows out just like your breath you can't hold it forever Mm. flows out but then there's a point when I need to kind of come back in again and so Mm. these kind of cycles versus if you were just breathing out breathing out breathing out then there's nothing else to breathe out but there is a flow that's unique for each person in our own growth and evolution. Yeah, that's a really good metaphor. Um, you know, to me it all, I tend to look at things a lot in terms of energy, how energy flows and, and where it goes. And so I found that we really function in reverse in this reality. And what I mean by that is that 
our energy is oriented outwardly. Everything that we want, we, we tend to think of as outside of ourselves. And maybe the simple example of that is you walk into a grocery store or, you know, any kind of store and you find something that you really like, but for a moment you realize you forgot your wallet. And so this thing is sitting there on a shelf, but you can't have it right now. So, so there's this emotional attachment to it where you're like, okay, I'll come back and get it, right? And you walk out of the store, but part of yourself stayed there because your energy is so powerful that it, it will just cling on to whatever you are seeking externally. And that's a very simplistic way to put it, but this happens so many times a day. Not even with tangible physical things that you might want or, or a person that you like or something like that, but even with your own thoughts. Every time you think of something, we take it for so granted, but really as you think you travel, part of yourself actually travels to what you're seeing. It enters that particular quantum reality that, that you are imagining in your mind. And so every day, all day, we are putting out energies, never really thinking about consequences of that. And so if you have talked to someone from the other side, other side being just anything non-physical, that's not in our perception, doesn't matter dimension. I think first thing they would ask you is please think less <laughs> because it's incredible amount of energy that we use, but we're so used to it that we really take it for granted. We never really think of what that means having such enormous you know, thinking process. So all these things, um, emotional attachments, thoughts, things like that, they're putting our energies out of our system or they're creating a field around us that eventually becomes pretty chaotic because I mean, think about how many of us do have control of our thoughts on a everyday basis. You know, it's hard to do it for five minutes when you're meditating, not for 24 hours. So there is a part of this when you start realizing that it's the, the further you go focused outwardly, the more you enter into that, that chaotic mode, because it's very difficult to maintain control over what's happening when you are outside of yourself. I mean, mostly physical self. But as you start bringing your awareness inward and you know just like the process i talked about first coming back to the surface of the skin and just observing with the five senses becoming a little more present and then actually going inward more into the very tissues of the body and feeling the inner processes and there are some tangible things that you will start to feel such as you know the heartbeat the, the flow of your blood you'll be able to feel how it goes you will feel the pulse of your nervous system and you find that these things um, reverse your energy flow. And then you start discovering worlds that you never knew were there before. And so it opens up into this multidimensional perception through the body. So the process of going inward is a real spiritual thing. It's not, you know, something that we just say or it's it actually does something spiritually incredible. And so I think that's the biggest thing that needs to happen is that reversal of the field from thinking about everything is in, in terms of out there and, and how to get out there to reversing your energies inward and then just going about life from that inner space. It's a, it's a whole different way to live. You just blew my mind completely because <laughs> I have never ever thought about it that way, but it was like what you guys were saying earlier, when, when you hear something that rings true to you, you just know mm -hmm. inside of you, you know, in your heart. And, um, I love the analogy of going into a store and wanting something, but then you go back to get your wallet and you leave a piece of yourself there with that thing. Mm -hmm. And this is true. This happens to us. And, and we do it with our thoughts too. And we cling to these things. And um, everybody has those desires and they think about them and they process them and mm -hmm. they're, they're giving away all their energy to them mm -hmm. in a way. 
And, you know, I've had days where I'll go through my life and I'll be just in my head the whole day mm. thinking about all these things that I need to do or, or whatever it is. And at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. Mm. All my energy is just gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably literal. It's probably literally gone. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like if more people were able to look inside or, or, or perceive what's happening with themselves and start to move that energy back towards them. Mm. Yeah. It could be very powerful. Yeah. I think it's really essential at this time and it's not as, as you know, difficult as most people think, because I know for a lot of people, even just doing a yoga class is almost like a luxury. You know, why would I do that? It's something like, okay, only if I have extra time and somebody convinces me to do it. I think it can be much more simple, um, as simple as just sitting in a chair and relaxing. And there are some parts of it that are so easily applicable that it, it makes it a no-brainer to do it on a regular basis. One thing that I discovered that helped me tremendously on my journey, but I had a hard time actually getting to the realization because I would do these practices for years without really truly grasping the importance of relaxation. and. I discovered that through physical relaxation, bringing yourself to a deep, deep level of relaxation, you can discover so much about yourself that you are not able to see in your daily waking mode. And you actually discover that you are very tense during the day. And you know that, you, you, you work a bit with hypnosis, right? Mm -hmm. so, so putting people into that hypnotic state, I think that's something that is priceless because it really allows you to see yourself from a whole different angle. And another thing that happens is that your subtle energies start really flowing in the body because there's nothing to jam them anymore. So the difference between, you know, person that is pursuing the path of self-realization of a spiritual path and somebody else who might be going just about the, you know, other aspects of life that are more tangible um, is really that you will get to a point where you're so tense that you will start creating even, even physical ailments in the body where pursuing a path of you know spiritual growth through let's say relaxation just as a most simplistic method will bring so many benefits to you stress stress relief greater flow of energies deep deep spiritual realizations it's incredible how much you can sense even just physiologically in your body through relaxation you can discover so much like there are some times when i eat something and i can feel exactly where it's moving through my body I can tell when I eat a certain food that it's going to have this particular effect. And you just know it, like your body is speaking to you. And it's not because you have any kind of extraordinary ability. You just spent a little bit of time really listening, really listening and getting into that, you know, cellular level of self. And so anyhow, there are simplistic things like that, which I think everybody can apply. And uh, they're also very enjoyable. Like, what is there better than sit down and just relax, you know? So it's, it's not a hard thing to do. And I think it's easy to apply. Yeah, I totally agree. And this is all like really good stuff for people to, you know, go out and use. This is good information. Mm -hmm. So is there anything else that you would want people to know about this shift that we're going through and how they can kind of help themselves to go through it? Yeah, the main thing about the shift is, is this understanding that it's exiting the physicality as we know it. And so if you perceive yourself only as a physical body, you're going to have a really hard time with what we're about to go through. Starting to even contemplate that there's more to the self will already start relieving some of that pressure. 
because we're really on a path now where you know even physically our bodies will change into something of a less dense form into more of an energy form so we will start dissolving the boundaries of the body and having a whole nother experience of life that is more connected to all things around us there will be a certain connection between people where we will communicate even without words you will be able to sense the nature around you or or you know some, sometimes even things that are far out you know far away from you in terms of spatial dimension you'll be able to sense and even the way we are physically will change quite dramatically so i think understanding that we are in the process now that's quite different than what have been used to is really important so that people can start accommodating that and kind of preparing themselves and in terms of something practical that you can do for yourself i would say most important thing is to train your nervous system for a higher amount of energy because the energies that are currently coming onto the planet are tremendous in comparison to just a few years before so training your nervous system to accommodate a higher voltage so to speak and in doing whatever you can and there's so many practices already offered for this to just cleanse the density from the body and whatever we have in terms of you know all these emotional blocks or or these stored impressions from past life or past experience as long as that's in the physical body it will be a constriction for the energy flow that needs to happen so creating yourself as the smoothest flowing instrument that you possibly can is a really good way to go about it so that would be probably the, the most important message that i can think of because that's something that you can do right now and that it's directly related to what we're going through yeah i think that's really good advice i have noticed myself I'm doing this kind of work just naturally, you know, like when I would meditate or something, Mm -hmm. um, I will, you know, try to notice the sensations in my body. And it's like you said, there, there is like a tenseness there a lot of times, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like a physical tense part of my body and I'll need to like actually think about relaxing it. And then almost inevitably something comes up emotionally after Mm -hmm. that, you know, (laughs) and it's like this thought like, Oh, and I know that's not coincidence. Mm. I know it's not. This is a real process happening. Yeah. And um, I, I think people need to hear that, you know, because I'm a, the kind of person who lives in the physical real world. I don't I don't spend a lot of time, you know, talking or thinking about things that are, um, in, you know, not, not here. I spend a lot of time thinking about things that are here. Mm. And I probably should do less of that, actually, now that I hear what you're saying. But, <laughs> um, but I think it's important for people to hear because you know, I'm just a regular everyday guy and this stuff is really happening to me. And it's just every day, it's almost like, it's almost shocking to me. And it, you know, I try to tell my wife or whatever, and at a certain point she's just like, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I get it. But you know, to me, it's really like a, a true evolution, Yeah. you know, and, and it's happening all over. I love that. Because you're paying attention. It's mm-hmm. happening to everybody. and. But, You've just been noticing it since you've been paying attention to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and holding space for it, too, like you said. Yeah. yeah. We didn't talk about, about being a walk-in. I didn't know if, like, because you didn't use, you didn't mention that in your introduction, so I didn't know sure. if we were, like, not touching on that, because I think that's a very fascinating we could, yeah. topic. But, um, yeah, that's how I first met Bato, because he came to the meetup that I organized, mm-hmm. You have a certain way about you that's very memorable also, but 
when you told your story mm. about your spiritual awakening, that really stuck in my mind. And so I, I feel like that would be helpful to just share with people. Yeah, for sure. And I do want to say this too. I want to mention this to people to give them a little bit of a visual is that when you see Bato, you know, something's different about him. Hmm. I mean, it's instant. You just, I don't know what it is. It's, it's like this understanding, like, okay, this person, it's like the it's, energy. It's his presence. Yeah. yeah it's mm-hmm. his presence. Mm-hmm. Like you can see like, okay, he, this person is different. You can feel it. Yes. You mm-hmm. can feel it. And, um, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying that in a yeah. very good way. Thank you. Um, yeah. So he, he's, he's very, he has very, he almost perfect posture <laughs> and he's tall. So he does, he has his physical presence. You're like, okay, this, this guy's different. You know, you don't see too many people around like him, mm-hmm. but anyway, yeah. So when I first saw you, um, the first time I ever saw you, I had this, um, and I talked to you about this too. I had this you know, almost like a memory mm-hmm. or a recognition. Like I recognized you from yeah. somewhere yeah. and, um, I've been getting that with a few people and I've been noticing it and, uh, yeah, you were just one of those people. So I just want to tell I you think that. it's important to connect when you, when you feel that about somebody, I think it's really important to connect, even if you don't know what is it about, because we all know each other from other places. And I have a lot of experience where I sit with a group of people and I will look around and in my, in my vision, I will see them completely different than the physical self. And I really recognize in that moment that we connect in so many other places and that this is just one of the many places where we are collaborating. And it's important to to follow that nudge because it will lead you to something much more in terms of relationship with someone. But I think you guys wanted to take this somewhere, this introduction. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. To the, so to the walking con- story. Yeah, I was going to say, do you consider yourself a walk-in? And then if you do or don't, we need to... Explain what that is yeah, to yeah, the average totally. listener. Yeah. Right. So, so what I understand in terms of general agreement on what walking is, it's somebody that comes into a body that's dying, and you know, a soul is leaving from the body, and then that being makes an agreement with the soul, soul leaving from the body, to come in and continue the life in the same physical form. And so, it's usually some kind of an exchange where a coming in soul will actually do something for the soul that is leaving. It will take on part of its karma or alleviate some suffering or something in exchange for using the body. So, the physical body is just like a vehicle, just like cars that we drive, you know. <laughs> and obviously, it's a little more personal than that because, you know, soul inhabiting the body is there's so much connection. You know, a lot of your memory remains in the body and everything. So, it's much more personal, but that's really the process of the exchange. So in my case, I don't really feel that it's a typical walk-in experience, but I also know of another type of walk-in where part of your soul was already in a physical form, but it was a very minute portion. And at a certain point of your evolution, a much greater part of you decides to come in. And when it comes in, the energy of it is so huge that it wipes off all of the previous memory of what you had in that lifetime. And so when I was at the age of four, Um, something happened to me where I just woke up one day and I just could not relate to anything around me. I could not recognize my parents. I could not recognize my house. I just did not know where I was or what this world around me was. And it lasted for about 24 hours, after which I I fell asleep and I just couldn't remember anything the next day, any any of the previous day experience. So it, it wasn't until I was maybe 14 or 15 that my mother reminded me of this and then the full memory came back and I could actually remember this instance, this thing happening in my childhood. 
um, but it happened to me so far twice. So I'm really well familiar with the, with the process because at the age of 22, I had a similar experience this time with a little more understanding of what it actually is. And so looking at it right now, I, I can see that it's, it's like an infusion of energy and you start uh, to capacitate much more of the capacity of your body with the essence of your soul. So much more of you, in essence, comes into the physical. Or, or another way to look at it, you know, if you, if you look in terms of the multi-dimensionality of self, there are multiple layers to us. It's, it's another layer of you that decides to come in and embody through the physical. So, so this happened to me on, on a couple of occasions. And on the first one, it seemed like something that I had no control of whatsoever. But on the second one, when I was 22, I really asked for this to happen. I was I was intending this very intensely and then one day it just happened and for the next two weeks I couldn't I couldn't remember anything about my past I didn't I didn't know I knew the world around me and everything but I I had no history in my mind and it was a little bit difficult to kind of get used to some of the normal things like grocery shopping it would take me four hours to go through the through the grocery shopping process because everything to me was just so fascinating this whole process of living the life here and couple of things that I remember clearly is that there was this intense joy coming out of me and I had like very high level of energy for those two weeks constantly. And then in working with a particular shaman, I actually learned how to anchor that into the body. And this person explained to me that what happened to me really is that a much higher energy level came into my body than I was used to. And my system was able to hold it, but I was a little bit ungrounded, almost like I was up there in the clouds and I was supposed to be walking on the earth. So I've learned to process that experience much better. So that would be one version of, of a walking experience that's a little bit different than what people talk about walking generally. Why do you think that your soul, so I get the one when you're 22, because you asked for that, but the one at age four is interesting to me, why mm. you didn't um, incarnate with that vibration and why your right. soul chose that particular age of four to bring more energy in. Right. Well, I, I grew up in a, in a very interesting circumstances because I, I pretty much grew up in a war zone. So I think that there was a lot of uncertainty that maybe my higher self wasn't quite sure that it needs to get into the body fully. So there might have been a waiting period to see how everything was going to unfold in the physical. That feels That's so fascinating. Yeah, that yeah, feels right to I me. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And would you say that, you know, it's, it's more of a person, because when you would describe this process, I thought, well, yeah, that's what we do when we spiritually awaken is that we mm -hmm. bring in more vibrate vibration. But yeah. then is it more kind of like the degree or the amount of energy you brought in, like you said, was kind of overwhelming to your system. And that's why it felt so disorienting. Right. It would be something like, you know, quantum leap in the spiritual growth, mm -hmm. like just a big step forward. Because I've heard similar accounts from other spiritual teachers kind of talk about this period where they went through and, and kind of like you said, like they had to be taken care of by somebody else as they were sort of processing this higher vibration. They couldn't quite function in the physical world mm -hmm. until they acclimated to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had some experiences that I can, you know, testify to that because um, depending on how much of the life force you let run through you and in my core knowing, I know that everything that we experience, even this life itself and the fact that you can take a breath is really the grace of the creator it's the grace of the being that brought us all forward and so when you allow that energy to really flow through your body you lose sense of boundary so you really don't know what's my body what's another person's body 
And I can see now how some of these spiritual teachers, they really need somebody to take care of them because if you're constantly in that state, it's really difficult to function physically. There are those, however, who have mastered that so well, and I think that's part of the reason why Kriya is so important as a practice. Generally, um, in, in terms of you know enlightened beings on this planet, only Kriya yogis were actually capable of holding that energy in the body and functioning in the world because it requires precise knowing of how the pathways in the body work and how to cleanse them properly to where you can fully capacitate that energy and be able to still function. So a lot of the yogis or, or monks or people that are highly spiritually evolved, they, you know, if they just put on a, a regular clothing and walk down the street, you would never notice a difference. But if you are energy sensitive, you would see that this is a big lighthouse walking by you. And so, so there are processes that we can learn to embody this energy in a way that we can still function. It's just that it requires a lot of training and sometimes a lot of lifetimes of preparation. So not everybody's able to capacitate that. Did you have people around you tell you that there was a marked difference between before and after this happened to you? I really um, don't remember for the early experience because, you know, I was I was just four. Um, I do have some accounts of or, or some remembrance of different accounts with meeting people and just behaving as a, as a grown person being, you know, five years of age, just saying things that were very mature and just having a different mannerism and, and, you know, walking up to people, just shaking hands very officially, you know, like exhibiting a whole different behavior. Um, so that might be the, the way that I've changed. And after the second experience, you know, it's interesting. It's almost like this energy that that is now in your body has a capability to adjust itself to kind of come smoothly into your life and gradually so even though there's this big infusion at one time it's almost like it can withdraw itself and then slowly come back to the forefront again so that's what i've experienced like for the first two weeks i just felt like i was just walking slightly above the ground right but then after that when i learned about you know grounding it properly I just went back to normal and it felt like almost nothing happened to me. However, over the next few months, I can see that there was a huge change in, in the consciousness and understanding itself. So I, I think there was a, a big change, but somehow you, on a deeper level, you know how to bring it forward slowly so that you wouldn't, you know, end up being loopy for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, I did not know that about you. That's a very interesting story. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. Is there anywhere online that people can find you? Like, I know you have meetup groups that you do here in Austin, so... You, not, not at a time. Um, just like everybody else, I've gone through a lot of stages of my own growth. And, you know, everything that we do just falls into one of those stages. And so, you know, the healing work that we talked about, I just recently ended um, that entire chapter of my life. And someone else is going to carry on that work now. So I, I just forwarded all of the tools and all the knowledge I have to someone else who's to whose path that's more suitable at this time. And I really feel like I'm going in a whole other direction at this stage. Um, so I'm really not out there as much and I'm not interacting with people as much. The, the only event that I have scheduled is, is a couples class that my girlfriend and I are doing. And we have been doing that here in Somavita in Austin. And it's going to be our last one on February um 16th or it's the it's the day before the valentine's day 13th okay yeah and so is there a place where people can sign up for that or 
Yes, um, there's a Facebook event that they can find it. Um, and also, so if you just type in Couples Energetics on Facebook, it should pop up and it's hosted in Somavita. So I would imagine that on Somavita's website, you can you can find it as well. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on again. Absolutely. It's been awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks. My pleasure. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Bato for sharing his knowledge and life stories with us. I'd also like to say thank you to Tiana Roser for all the work she does to keep this podcast going. And to Casey Henson for creating the music we use on this podcast. For more information about us or to access past episodes, please visit our website, beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. And you can find us on social media as well. If you're enjoying these conversations, please leave a rating for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. This will help other people find us. Take care.